Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Well, this week, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about 2024. And, excuse me, I was so excited when we sang praise. I need a drink. I mean this kind, not the other. (laughs) I said that the other day to someone. I said, I need a drink, and I meant water. And they said, well, I hope not. I was like, all right. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about 2024. And I'm very, very cautious. I just want you to know, I'm very, very cautious that I, of who I listen to. They have to have an extremely proven track record. And I don't mean a track record of accuracy. I mean a track record of holiness. What does that mean? What does holy mean? Does that mean you glow in the dark? That you're perfect? No. The word holy means to be set apart for a use. My toothbrush is holy as yours. It's set apart. It's only mine. Randy... <laughs> You know, he was the baby of the family, and there's, I was the oldest. Very common for the oldest and the baby to get married because that's how God saves the world, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I don't think the babies ever really lose their, their babyhood. That's just my opinion. If you're the baby, I love you. But truth be told... He's, he jokes a lot. And so when the girls were at home, if they would, you know, walk in, like when he was brushing his teeth or something, he would take his toothbrush and he would flick water at them. Oh, I'm not even kidding you. And they would leave the room screaming. That's how he got them out. So, so at least two of my three daughters has this real issue with toothbrushes. Thank you, Randy Ross. And so at any rate, the point is to be holy is to be set apart for the Lord. That he would work through that vessel. And there is a highway in Isaiah 35 that is only for the redeemed. What does that mean? Redeemed means you were purchased with the blood of Jesus. And on that highway of holiness in Isaiah 35, it says that there will be no lion there referring to the enemy and his plans. So I desperately want to walk on that path of holiness. And and how do you do that? Well, according to Romans 6, you yield your instruments. What are your instruments? Your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your tongue. You yield them as an instrument of what is right for the Lord. And it also says you yield your faculties. What is your faculty? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul. Okay, so I want to make this really easy for you because people hear holy and they think, ooh, you know, the holiness movement. Well, it ought not be that way. It doesn't mean I never cut my hair. I don't wear makeup. I promise you I wouldn't be here. I was walking in a Hobby Lobby with Abigail, my granddaughter, the other day and and uh, I, don't, I don't know even what brought this up. I said, just promise me when I die, you'll put lipstick on me. 
Okay, so, you know, that's not holy. I'm set apart, Lord, for you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to yield my hands to lay hands on the sick, my feet to walk in the path you have ordained, my mind to think on the word of God, my mouth to say what you say, my eyes to look upon that which is good. I don't watch nasty things on TV. And sometimes things will pop up and you don't expect it. It, it goes off. I'm grateful DVRs were whatever, whatever they're called. Because, you know, you can forward over something you don't want to see. I don't watch that, and I don't watch TV during the day at all. But I, I'm very, very, very selective, and you should be too. And so I said all that to say, when there started being words that came out for 2024, I was very selective. So on January the 1st, New Year's Day, I woke up in the morning, and before I was fully conscious, I heard an invitation from the Spirit of God, and it's one I'm sure you know. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I kept hearing it repeatedly in my waking hours. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, pressing, but it's comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. What is, when we think of a yoke, what do we think of? We think of what goes over the shoulders of an ox or maybe horses. And you know that the yoke has to be evenly balanced or it can cause great, great discomfort and, and harm. And Jesus said, if you're burdened and heavy laden and you're carrying stress and you're carrying the weight of the world, haven't you heard that expression? Oh, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Well, that's not Jesus. Jesus is issuing an invitation to walk with him where there is ease and relief and refreshment for your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if you're not in that place, then get help. I recently met with a friend of mine. She's a good friend, and she's actually a therapist. I had some things to resolve regarding my sister's passing, and I'm not ashamed of it at all. She was very, very uh, considerate of me, met me on a weekend, said nobody will be there. I don't care because my life's an open book. But I appreciated that. But you know what? If you need help, get it. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But together, we form together. And we knowledge is power. So if you need help, get help. That's nothing to be ashamed of at all. I just, I needed some questions answered. I needed some understanding. She gave it to me didn't fix things. It didn't bring her back. But it gave me some, some knowledge. That word that Jesus said, he invites us for rest. In the Greek, that word means to refresh the soul, to give rest, intermission from labor, to refresh, and this is good, to rest after toil and care. 
Jesus said, I have come to give you rest. I don't know about you, but I would easily say that 2023 was one of the hardest, if not the hardest, year of my entire life. I've heard other people say that. Might have been a great year for you. But for me, it was a hard year. It's interesting looking at 2024 just to see full circles. My husband and I will have been married 50 years. Is that the diamond anniversary? What is that? It's gold. Gold. Okay, fine. Gold with diamonds. And my daughter Kelly, who led worship this morning, it will be 25 years. My oldest granddaughter is getting married. One of our son-in-laws turns 50. My youngest daughter turns 40. And there's just, just so many things. Today, my oldest granddaughter started her student teaching at the school, the elementary school that she went to. And it's where her mother student taught. I'm just seeing all these full circles everywhere. So I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do this year. Well, so I heard that. I will give you rest. And God knows I needed it. And so then I was uh, reading some different things that people that I trust, ministers that I trust stated. And I want to read this one to you. It's by Charlie Shamp. And it's called The Open Door. And, you know, and I've studied some of his ministry. And uh, I literally saw, I think, I don't know if he was in Pakistan or uh, someplace like that. And I literally watched him praying for people. There was a little girl that had a deformed ear. He laid hands on her. And before your very eyes, that ear formed and became normal. I mean, it was like, you, you can't make that up to use that expression. And there was such an aura of holiness. And I felt that when I walked in the room today. I thought there's a holiness in this place. There's a setting apart in this place. And this is the word he gave. Now, this is, mind you, after New Year's Day when I heard Matthew 11, when the invitation. And I, I think that all of us need to take that invitation today. Now, hear me loud and clear. That does not mean you will never have a trial in 2024. I want to make that clear. I was listening to a minister, I want to say maybe Uganda, Kenya, someplace like that. And he was cautioning how important it is to be very, us to be very, very cautious. And he was talking about in, in this particular place in Africa, how there were prophets that jumped up and that this year... Thus saith the Lord, you're going to have great prosperity. All your bills are going to be paid and on and on and on. And the people were very poor and they were very excited and none of it happened. And you know what happens when false things like that go forth? People get discouraged. They get discouraged and they start questioning God. So I am, I'm so, so, I walk very circumspectly where these things are concerned. But because I received Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 personally on New Year's Day, when I read this, it testified to me, okay? Again, it does not mean you will not have any storms in 2024. If I said that to you, I would be lying. Jesus said when the storm comes. 
But make sure your house is built on the word of God and the storm won't shake your house. See, none of the trees in my yard went down last night. You know why? Because they were firmly rooted. Lost some branches, but that's okay. We'll gather those up and pitch them. But the trees are 50, I don't know how many years old. And they're firmly rooted. And the more rooted and grounded you are in the word of God, the more you will stand when a storm hits. So this is what he said. Did I not say to you I am releasing the new? Did I not tell you that I would renew, restore, and lift you up above the storm? See, it doesn't say storms won't come. It says you're going to ride above them. Did I not say I would open a door no man can shut? I will hand out the keys of the kingdom to unlock doors of supernatural rest. See, that's the invitation in Matthew 11. For you've been in trials and great tests. This is a season for you to enter the rest. You will stand, you will rely, you will drink in my presence above the circumstances. You'll enter in through the open door. You'll sit on the throne and you'll go see and be restored. I've called you to a place of expansion beyond your eyes of seeing. The things I've spoken in your inner man, you'll see the fullness of me manifesting my glory. I'm handing to you keys of my kingdom to open that door of hope. Not a hope that will make you heartsick or fail. It's the hope of glory. My sun will shine through you. Light will emanate out of you. I'm causing you to rise and shine. I will establish you on a sure foundation, a stable path, a highway of holiness. Where things of your past will go and fade away. The thing that caused you to waver in the past, listen, will cause you to waver no more. So those trials and those storms that caused you to waver, to question God, to say why God, when God, how God. When, um, oh, um, what's that beautiful woman who was here for Chosen? Lisa Harper. I wanted to say Kathy. That's, it was Lisa. She, and, and I never even realized that she said the most frequently asked question in the Bible is, how long? And I checked that out, and it's true. So see, you're in good company. A man after God's own heart, King David, many times in the Psalms said, how long, O oh Lord? How long? How long? How long? How long? How long will the enemy do this? How long? How long are you going to let this happen? How many of you have ever said how long? Where was I? Ah, the highway of holiness where things of your past will go and fade away. The thing that caused you to waver in the past will cause you to waver no more. For my weight of glory, what is the glory of God? It's the presence of God that ushers in his goodness. Will rest upon you and you'll walk through that open door. This is a season to enter into that rest. The highway of holiness, the place I've caused you to walk upon where no foul can last, where no demonic entity can stand forever. As I hand you these keys, I open to you a scroll that you may read and run. Even now, I'm renewing your strength. I'm lifting you up on eagle's wings. Don't think of the past. Don't worry about storms that are behind you. Or even now, I've caused you to bring through the open door. Know this, that what I open, no man can close. And what I shut, no man can open. Now, I looked up Hosea 2.15. And the Lord says, I will give her vineyards from there and make the valley of Achor Achor in the Bible, the Hebrew word means disturbance. You ready? I will make the valley of disturbance a door of hope. And you will sing there and respond as in the days of your youth. I think that's a pretty good promise. So we see in Matthew 11 that that word, again, rest means to refresh your soul, 
to give rest, to give you an intermission from labor, to refresh you and rest after toil and care. I love that. That word rest in Matthew 11 that Jesus gave us, the promise also means ease. E-A-S-E, I read it to you. He said, I will ease your soul. He didn't say, I'm going to remove every trial from your life. But I will bring ease to your mind, your will, your emotions. I've needed that. I've needed that. As I've shared with you, and I shared at our last chosen, the door, the first three months of 2023 were nothing short of hellish for me. I'm not going to go into all that. But if you've been with me, then you know everything that happened. So let's go on. God's promising us rest for our souls this year. Hebrews 4. I'm going to read 1 through 3, verse 6, and verses 9 through 16. And I'm going to tell you what the word rest means in this passage. Therefore, while the promise remains of entering his rest still holds and is offered today. Now remember, Hebrews 3 is about the Israelites who failed to enter his rest because of unbelief. So nobody over the age of 20 was allowed to enter the promised land. That's why I believe the age of accountability is up to 20 years old or, or where you're not accountable. But once you hit 20, it's no, no um, coincidence that I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 20 years old. And I made so many mistakes before then. I mean, I just don't even want to go to the horrible, horrible, terrible choices that I made. But thank God for redemption. Thank God for the blood. So he's offering us a promise of rest today. And then he says, oh, this is, I mean, this is like a knife in the gut. Let us be afraid to distrust it. Distrust what? The promise of his rest. Lest any of you should think he has come too late and come short of reaching it. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings proclaimed to us just as the Israelites of old did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. And listen to what the Amplified Classic says faith is. Leaning of your entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. Neither were they united in the faith of Joshua and Caleb who heard and did believe. They were the only two that got to go in. Not even that were over 20. Not even Moses got to go in. He got to see the land from the distance, but he didn't get to go in. For we who have believed enter that rest. In accordance with his declaration, those who did not believe should not enter the rest. As I swore in my wrath, Wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been finished to all who would believe from the foundation of the world. Seeing then, verse 6, that the promise remains for some to enter that rest and those who formerly were given good news about it and the opportunity fell to appropriate it and did not enter because of disobedience. So then... There is still waiting a full, complete rest for the people of God. And he goes on to talk about the word of God in verse 12, being living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that is able to divide our soul, our spirit, our joints, our marrow, and discern every thought and intention of the heart. And Hebrews 4 lives or ends with the declaration in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, last night, I started reading in chronological order all the miracles. I think there were 27 miracles. Actually, the world itself could not contain the books written about all the miracles he did. But 27 were recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were eyewitnesses. Some of them were so significant that all three are Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded them. The Apostle John focused more on the Holy Spirit and on the love of God. He was known as the Apostle of Love. And so not as many miracles are recorded in the Gospel of John. But the first miracle, turning water into wine, was recorded in the Gospel of John. The man at the pool of Bethesda was in the Gospel of John. The man born blind, John chapter 8, was in the Gospel of John or is recorded. So I started reading those and I was very interested to see how many people came to Jesus begging. And it would literally say, and they pleaded with him. Or they begged him. But see, he hadn't become the sacrifice yet. So as new covenant believers, we don't beg. We come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy for our failures. And that's how Hebrews 4 ends, with an invitation. Just like Jesus gave an invitation to come, he would give us rest. What do you rest in? You rest in his promises. You rest in his faithfulness. You rest in the fact, and I stake my life on the fact that God cannot lie. Not that he does not lie, he cannot. There is one thing in the entire universe and beyond the universe that is impossible for God. It is impossible for God to lie. Nothing else is impossible for him. And so I rest in that truth. That word rest is the Hebrew, uh, Greek word sabbatismo. What does it sound like to you? The Sabbath. So I was reading, and, and this all happened in a period of three days, okay, after Jesus promises me rest. And then I, I read the Charlie Champ, the declaration. And then I had this in my bookcase, and I just happened to pick it out. And I love Rick Renner. If you don't know who Rick Renner is, he is a literal Greek scholar, and he will take a Greek word and make it come alive. He'll take it apart, and this part of the word means this, and this part of the word means that. And so when you combine the two words, this is what it means. It's really powerful. But you really have to study to show yourself approved. You can't just be a casual Christian that takes a little promise out of your promise box. You have to be serious about the word. And so this is called my peace-filled day. And, I, and so I just, I opened and I thought, I'm just going to read a chapter from this. And it opened. Now, I don't play Christian roulette, okay? Judas went and hung himself, go do likewise. I don't do that. But I opened it and it's called, it's time for you to stop wrestling and start resting. And it was Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. And he takes all of this apart. And so... And he actually shares his testimony that he doubted his salvation because he heard a message that was not grace. He heard a hell and brimstone message as a little boy. And it followed him into his adulthood. And he would ask Jesus into his heart every day. He was so scared he wasn't saved because of this non-grace-filled message. Let me tell you something about grace that I know. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I can't earn it. I can't merit it. I can't earn it. 
It's the work that was completed before the foundation of the world. But where does faith come in? Faith comes in accessing what's already done, accessing the grace of God. So people get all bent up. I didn't have enough faith. No, 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 no. It's not your faith. It's you trusting in what he's already done. So he takes this word apart. And it says that he who's entered his rest has ceased from his own human labors. And this is what he said. The word cease is the word katapuo, a compound of the words kata and puo. I don't know how you say it. The word kata means down, and the word pao, I think, means to pause. When the words are compounded, the new word gives the idea of someone who has worked hard, but now has sat down, settled down, and ceased from his labor. This is the picture of a person who has thrown off his work clothes and is now reclining in a restful position. You might say he's finished his work and entered into a spiritual retirement. The work is behind him, and that phase of his life is done and over. He is entering into a lasting and permanent rest. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And it belongs to every person who simply comes in faith to Jesus Christ. If you belong to him, it is high time for you to kick back and rest in the fact that Jesus has saved you. And his work of redeeming all of you is totally, utterly complete. Make the decision today. From this day forward, you're going to enjoy the benefits of this wonderful salvation that Jesus purchased for you on the cross. I read that and I immediately heard Psalm 4610. Cease striving and know that I am God. And so as I prayed at the end of 2023 and I sought the Lord, God gave me a new understanding. I heard, and I'm sure this is a scripture most of you know, it's Exodus 14:14. 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Yes, there are enemies. There are plenty of enemies, and they're not going to go away. Not until the end of the age. But the Lord, when I read that, the Lord will fight for you, and you will remain at rest. All of a sudden, I really understood the armor of God. Because if you read the armor of God in Ephesians 6, what does it say? It's interesting. It says, stand therefore. And put on the full armor of God. It doesn't tell you to fight. It tells you to stand. Clothed with the armor. And if you go through the armor of God. And I have had a whole Bible study on it several summers ago. Most of it is the word of God. The belt of truth is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. The helmet of salvation is a mind focused on the word of God. The breastplate of righteousness is believing the word of God. That you are in right standing with God, not because of your worth, but because of what Jesus did. The gut feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Those were not peaceful boots. They had spikes in them, man. You just kick the enemy in the face with the word of God. And the, the, uh, the shield of faith, what is that? It was soaked in water, literally. Their shields were layers of leather that were soaked in water. So when the fiery darts of the enemy, the the physical enemy, would come down and they would hit the shield. If you remember, the Roman soldiers formed what was called a tortoise, where they would gather in a circle with men in between, and each person would hold their shield like this, and in the middle, they would hold their shields up 
these shields that were soaked in water. And so when the flaming missiles came and they hit those shields, the water would extinguish the fire. So when you have the shield of faith up, it's doused with the water of the word of God. And so I speak the word. How do you fight your battles? Standing with the word of God in your mouth, the praises of God, the high praises of God on your lips. I love that we ended with praise today with that song. To me, and you know, again, we have the baby of the family, my husband. He sings it all the time. The words are totally wrong. And it's very hard for me to stay out of sin. But he means well. And so, I want to, to live in the rest of God this year. You all know the story, I'm sure, about Jehoshaphat. It's 2 Chronicles 20, 20 through 27. And the Israelites were being plummeted. I mean, they were absolutely being plummeted. And Jehoshaphat stood up. And he said with a loud voice, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe and remain steadfast to his prophets and you will prosper. And he consulted with the people and they appointed singers to sing to the Lord and to praise him. And they went out before him saying, give thanks to the Lord. His mercy and loving kindness endure forever. And we sang this morning, praise when you feel like it and praise when you don't. It's called a sacrifice of praise for a reason. It's called a sacrifice of thanksgiving for a reason. I've read so many testimonies of people that would just thank the Lord for the finished work. They were in the worst of circumstances, but they would thank him and 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 thank him. And then it seemed like nothing was going to happen and nothing was going right and there would be no breakthrough. But they thanked him and they thanked him and they thanked him and praised him and praised him and praised him. And guess what? It happened. They didn't know how. It just did. A friend sent me a picture yesterday. She just, I've been bugging her for a long time to get a lap dog. She finally got one, and she sent me a picture, and it said, this is my life now. And you could tell it was her waist down. She had a blanket over her and fluffy socks on her feet, and her lap dog just laying his head on her lap. That's a position of rest. It's a position of rest. Well, yeah, there's hell going on around me. But I'm going to lay back and kick up my feet. And I'm going to be like my puppy. Curled up and resting. I get to experience that every single day. Let me finish reading this. I'll tell you a story. So they began to sing and to praise. Give thanks to the Lord. His mercy, love, and kindness endure forever. And the Lord sent ambushments against the enemy. And here's what happened. They were slaughtered. For suspecting betrayal, the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against those of Mount Seir and utterly destroyed them. And when they made an end to the men of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. And then Israel comes, and they look at the multitude, and there were dead bodies everywhere. And no one had escaped. Did you know the Lord can confuse the enemy? And Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil, and they found cattle and goods and garments and precious things, and they took for themselves more than they could carry away, so much so that they were three days in gathering the spoil. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, and there they blessed the Lord in the name of the place. To this day is still called the valley of Baraka, blessing. 
And they returned, every man to Judah and Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat leading them to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. That's a perfect picture of rest. All they did was stand and praise the Lord and shout, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good, for his mercy and love and kindness endure forever. And the Lord saw to it that the enemy defeated one another. And I'm telling you today, we are spending too much time rebuking the devil and worry, warring and worrying. And, and, and we don't have to when we can praise the Lord and give him thanks and take his yoke upon us. His yoke is not harsh. It's not hard, sharp, or pressing. I was reading Psalm 23. You know that Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside still and restful waters. He restores my soul. And if you know anything about sheep, and I've taught this many times, if sheep drink out of running waters, they'll drown because the current will carry them in. And you know, I mean, we wear wool, don't we? I mean, ba ba black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir, whatever it is, three bags full, one for my master. I don't remember the words, something like that. We wear wool coats. We wear wool sweaters. We wear wool pants. Why? It's warm. Where do you get that? Not from harming a sheep by shaving them, shearing them. But if the running water pulls that sheep in, they've got short little tiny legs. They're very out of proportion. I'm sure they have dysmorphia. And that water will suck them in and they'll drown. And so a good shepherd is going to lead them beside still restful waters to get a drink. I experienced that in a, an odd way when I was a teenager. We went to a place called Warnake. Anybody ever been there? And there were rapids and I was alone. I was kind of a loner in, in high school. I think I was in ninth grade. And uh, so I was alone and I got caught up in a rapid. And I, I couldn't... I couldn't get out. I started going under. And, and I knew, I remember thinking, I'm going to drown. And all of a sudden, I felt a hand grab me and pull me to safety. And I looked up, and it was this girl that I, I didn't know very well. Her name was Debbie. I do remember that. And she had seen me struggling, and she was able to lean over the edge and pull me out to safety. I mean, the devil's tried to kill me so many times. He must hate me. I'm so glad. So I believe that God wants to mark 2024. Who are the people, the believers that are determined to believe him and keep the main thing the main thing? What is the main thing? Seek first his kingdom. Stay in the face of Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. In Judges 5.31, if you've ever read about Deborah, and we've talked about her many times and what a warrior she was, and, and we know what happened with Deborah. I mean, she just rested under the palm tree, and then she finally saw to it that Sisera was killed by J.L., a woman, because the mighty warrior, what was his name, Barak? He wouldn't go unless a woman went with him. Praise the Lord. And she said, all right, I'll go with you, but... You're not going to be the one to, to kill the evil commander a woman is. And remember what happened? 
He went to JL and he said, hide me. And she takes him in and soothes him and covers him and gives him warm milk to drink. And, and when he fell asleep, she took a tent peg and drove it through his temple. I can think of a name for a woman like that, but I won't say it because it would offend people. I mean, she was, she was a mighty woman. And the Lord gave the enemy into the hands of a woman. And this is what Deborah sang. Judges 5.31. So let all your enemies perish, O Lord. Let all those who love you be like the sun when it rises in its might. And the land had rest for 40 years. And that Hebrew word rest means to be quiet and undisturbed. The primitive root means to repose and to be still. I want to be in that place, don't you? Where storms are everywhere. But I can just sit with my blankie and my woolly socks and my puppy and know this. It's going to be all right. Because I know and you know that in the world there's going to be some rocky roads this year. But you know what? We don't have to join the bumpy train. I remember 24, 23 years ago, I've told you the story of how we knew that my precious son-in-law, who's a son to me, Kay Saylor, and Katie were destined to be husband and wife, and the military didn't think so. They sent him away to Panama, and it was a 20, I think a 28-month tour, and Katie was 16, Case was 20, and there was just really no way. I mean, how could this even work? Married people sometimes don't last through that long of a departure. And I've told you the story how God just intervened and brought him back home once a month, and they could talk every day on the military watch line, and I'm not going to go into all that. And God kept them together, but, and, and they've been married 20-something years now, so I'd say that's pretty permanent. And um, I remember right before he went to Panama, I took him and Katie in for, for Rick Godwin to pray over them. I'll never forget it. And he laid hands on them and he said these simple words in the prayer. He said, Lord, let them know what we already know. Everything's going to be all right. And those words have stuck with me. No matter how harsh the storm seems, I just somehow always know everything's going to be all right because Jesus is Lord. I'm going to close with a story. This is one of the ministers I listened to. And again, if you weren't here in the beginning, I'm very, very careful who I listen to because they have to have, I'm going to repeat it, a track record of holiness. That doesn't mean self-righteousness. God hates that but a record of yielding onto the Lord and living a life that exemplifies that. And Chad Gonzalez has a very proven healing ministry. He used to be a pastor actually in College Station, and I'm an Aggie. So uh, that doesn't make it, it, it okay, I'm just telling you. Because I'm not saying that every Aggie is holy and set apart. But he... Um, the miracles in his ministry are just amazing. And he teaches, this is his teaching, union with Christ. The whole basis of his teaching is union with Christ. 
and to keep the main thing the main thing. Union with Christ. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay in fellowship with Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. And so 2023 was a horrific year for him in the beginning. He went on a uh, ministry trip. First one, he, he took their only child with him. And when he got home, his wife was deceased, his young wife. She's 40 years old. And what happened to her was so demonic. Not going to go into the whole story. Literally, something caused her colon to rupture. And when he landed and the, the uh, not the police, but the other people, um, the, the uh, sheriff called him. You know, he said, your wife is dead. And his first thought was, okay, I'll raise her from the dead. I mean, that's the kind of faith he has. And so he gets to the house. There's a yellow tape. They wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't let him touch her. Understandably, because they didn't know if there was foul play. Okay, so I get that. And so they take her, and of course they do the autopsy. And, and uh, the doctor said, I, I do not know how she lived as long as she did. Because apparently this thing was getting ready to happen. And, and uh, he was broken, like anybody would be. And he said, um, I know that the devil did this to try to get to me. And it has strengthened my resolve more than ever to compel people to cleave to Jesus. And you know, the devil's plan is always, if you want to know the devil's plan, Delinda and I were talking about this yesterday, the devil's plan is always the same. Job's wife, curse God and die. That's always what he wants us to do. When bad things happen, when the storms come, just curse God. I mean, it's amazing that the enemy saw to it that Job's children were killed, his servants were killed, and all his possessions were destroyed. But he left the wife alone. I wonder why. And so, the end of the story. I'll tell you the good part of the story. So, months go by, and he continues to minister. I think he took three weeks off. He continues to minister. He continues to exalt the name of Jesus. He continues to lay hands on the sick. And he began to realize that his son needed a mother. This is a young, young teenage boy. And so... He said he was just sitting there talking to the Lord one day. And he said, I, he said, I wasn't praying. I wasn't saying, Lord, I'm asking you to do this. He said, Lord, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. If, if I ever get married again, she's going to have to be a doozy. She cannot, she has to have dark hair because his late wife was platinum. And he didn't want the son to always be seeing the platinum hair. She's going to have to have dark hair. She's going to have to believe in the ministry of Jesus the way I do, especially healing. And, and he just, and he said, and here's the, the kicker, she's going to have to be a widow because I want her to be able to relate to what my son feels. And, and so it, was, it went on like this. And he said, I wasn't asking God for it. I was just telling him it was impossible. <laughs> and he went his way. Short time later, he got called to the hospital. One of his partners had cancer, and he was asked to come pray for her. And he gets there, and the person that called said, uh, my cousin's there, and uh, she'll, 
you know, she'll be in the room. And the person in the sick bed said, I, I want my cousin to come join you. Her name was April. And so she comes to join him and click. And the end of a happy ending is that she was a widow. She'd been a widow for three years. Had two beautiful children, a boy and a girl, both teenagers, a little bit older, but teenagers. From a little girl, she was called to a healing ministry by the Lord. And she had dark hair. And I'm telling you, this lady is gorgeous. I mean, I keep trying to find a flaw when I see a picture. I blow it up as big as the screen can get. She's gorgeous. And so, I was watching him, just a little clip, the other day. And I know when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on somebody and just overpowers them, that's what happened. He could hardly breathe. And this is what he said. I'm telling you right now. And he went, oh, this year, we're going to walk in a degree of grace. We're going to walk in a degree of grace. And not only what you've never experienced before, but all of the church has looked and sought and desired after. And as a result, as a result of what? Of grace. It's going to be the easiest year we've ever had. It's going to be easy, effortless as we keep the main thing, the main thing. What's the main thing? Union with Christ. That's good news if you've, ever ha if you've had a hard year. This is going to be a good year, a year of grace, a year of ease, a year of effortless obtaining, receiving, and walking in everything Jesus provided. It's going to be a good year. That doesn't say there won't be trials. It says that the grace of God will cause us to go through everything with ease. And that, my friends, goes back to Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you, and I will ease and refresh your soul. So I want to encourage you to pray into that. Next week, I'm going to share more about 2024. And... Um, Let's believe God. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, first of all, for telling, inviting me into your rest and then confirming it through your servants. And so, Father, I declare 2024 a year of rest for your people. That Sabbath rest where we so believe in everything you already provided for us through Calvary. That we can lay back with the blanket woolly socks and our fluffy dog and just rest in your promises, in your word, in who you are. And with thanksgiving, you commission us to arise clad with the full armor of God and standing and fighting the good fight because you've already won it. And we thank you for that, Lord. We rest in your promises and Lord, help us where we are still striving, and I know many are, to cease striving and know that you are God and that you will be exalted. It's called trust for a reason. So help us to lay aside the baggage and the pain, and the problems, the hurts and the wounds that we've incurred in life and just see ourselves united with our Redeemer, our Savior. Jesus. 
We thank you for the name and for the blood. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.